Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by our Mega Draft Recap Part 2. Oh yeah, as we promised on uh, earlier this week, on our first episode of the week, our boy Max Marsh, he's back in the building to give us a breakdown. We went through all the potential picks and now we're going to talk about the actual picks and what Max thinks. Uh, as you guys know, Max absolutely killed it on that last episode of the, the Goldcast on our preview. And now he's back to talk Niners, talk about a little bit of Bears, talk a little bit of Packers, and see how we're looking in the NFC West and the NFC North. But before we do that, Raymond, why don't you let them know, where can they find us? You can always like us on Facebook.com slash the Goldcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at the underscore Goldcast. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of The Goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment because we certainly want to get your take on what we feel was a very productive draft this year for the 49ers, all things considered. Oh, yeah. And then, Raymond, where can they find you? You can always find me on Twitter at Ray Solis. That's R-A-Y-S-O-L-I-S. And on Instagram at Ray Solis 1. That's the number one, not the spelling. All right. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at I am Rudy 3RD. I am Rudy 3rd. All right. Here we go. The, our draft recap. Now we're going to go in-depth into each player. We spent the first episode kind of tracking all the moves. Uh, obviously talking a lot about Trent Williams and then saying goodbye to Joe Staley. Now we're going to go into each individual player, break them down, and give you what, what you can expect coming up from this season from our new acquired players. Here we go. The greatest fanalist in the game. He's in the building. Me, your boy, your professor of fanalism. I'm here too. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? Are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. Boom! And now our special guest, our boy, he's back. Last two or three episodes, this is like Christmas for us here. Our boy Max Marsh, he's in the building. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's good? Man, uh, happy draft. It it was a great weekend. What did you think overall about the draft? Did you have fun? Oh, I had a great time. My girlfriend did not have a good time. Uh, I had uh, my phone going on the recap, all the picks, and then our TV was using uh, her laptop to stream the draft onto the TV. So I was a living nightmare, but I was like a five-year-old. It was the greatest day. It was amazing. It was. It was really nice to get some semblance of sports back. This is part of sports, right? This is part of it. Sports isn't just a competition on the field. It's also what these teams do off the field. And the draft is a huge, huge part. You know, it's basically inaugurates the beginning of the new season. And uh, I, I thought, I thought all things considered... Let me ask you this. Did you see any of the NBA horse competition that they had like uh, two or three weeks ago? I did not see any of it, honestly. I'm not going to lie. You didn't miss a whole lot. It was pretty rough. It was it. It lacked any sense of momentum or spirit of competition. It really just it just had random guys kind of just talking and the commentators 
there wasn't a whole lot that they were saying. And it, it was just kind of hard to follow what the point of it all was. And so that made me really nervous for the NFL draft. I thought, man, you know, from this whole recording from home thing is uh, not too hot. And then when this started, when the NFL draft started, I felt like I was like, this is how it's supposed to be done. I still think they should put a lot of the the um, the uh, a lot of the commentators, like at least behind green screens of some sort. But uh, I'm kind of surprised at how often they're okay with them going like, yeah, it's all right. Just do it in your bedroom. And who cares if like half your mirror and, dr- and nightstand are in the corner. Just put a, put a football and like a jersey on the wall and you'll be fine. You know, like that's like seems to be the the what they all do. Like I'm really surprised they don't put more green screens for the overall presentation to kind of give it the look and feel of uh, that they're in like you know the 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 press room of some sort. But overall, I thought it was pretty good, it, it, action packed, and it felt felt just like the normal draft for the most part. Yeah, I I honestly enjoyed it almost a little bit more in some ways in the draft. The draft always feels like a little bit drawn out. Uh, but we did get some awesome unintentional comedy and then some truly uncomfortable, like not necessarily comedy, but just something that I had to laugh at because I was so uncomfortable, mostly with Roger Goodell just doing anything. It's too much <laughs> Roger Goodell, way too much Roger Goodell. He was all over the place. What's up with the costume changes? What was that about? Was he just getting hot? I think he was just getting hot and he was trying different shirts on to see if he could cool down. Yeah, but I mean, he's got millions and millions of dollars. I'm sure he can afford AC. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the I actually uh, some people bashed it. I actually thought it was I thought it was kind of funny that he embraced the booing thing, and they even turned it into like a like a like a they had like a product sponsor behind it. I was like, you know. Good, good, nice move, Goodell. Nice move. There's, there's a, there's a, there. If we're on the 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 chessboard, that was a check right there. All right, all right. I see you. I see you, Goodell. I see what you're doing here. I see the game you're playing. The boos were fun the first like 14 times he did it, and then he continued to do it. And I was like, I get it. It's like those commercials where they're like, you know, we're selling you something, but we're also aware that it's stupid that we're selling you something. And you're like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. I'm going to buy it anyway. I'm never not going to watch the NFL. It is immune. If I can handle, you know, the the concavernic racism shit that was going on, I'm certainly going to be able to deal with Roger Goodell, you know, not mentioning that he knows that people hate him. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. So, as you saw, the Niners had a crazy draft trading all over the place. Our 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 fantasy league absolutely lost had a conniption fit as mostly led by a hated rival Louis uh, Louis Barton who also a friend of the show comes on the show quite often. He about lost his mind when we traded b- back we traded places with Tampa Bay. I'm not even quite sure. We spoke on the phone about this. I think you and I spoke about this where I was under the assumption that all of the lies about Joe Staley retiring were false and that it was done with the intention of coercing Tampa Bay into this move. But we saw 24 hours later that that wasn't true, that Joe Staley actually did retire and that we ended up going and getting Trent Williams. But let me ask you, why why do you think Tampa Bay actually made this trade? And then I want you to think, and then I want you to hear about what you what you think about Javon Kinlaw picking him up there over uh, Jerry Judy, who was a, a player you were very fond of and were half expecting, were pretty certain that if he was around at that time, the Niners were going to grab him. Yeah, you know, I think um, I think uh, you know the the trading back reminds me a lot of when the Bears traded up, 
And if you read anything about it, uh, trading up is almost never a good idea. Uh, there's almost no ability to trade up, especially if it's a single spot. There's not a lot of numbers to support that decision. Unless, of course, what I thought with the Bears were the Niners told them, like somebody's looking to trade up, but we're not sure if Javon Kinlaw. Kinlaw's certainly not getting past uh, Atlanta. Uh, it's certainly not getting past most of the teams behind them, frankly, besides Tampa Bay. I feel like any of them probably would have taken them, uh, the ones that didn't end up taking a receiver. Um, so I feel like that had to play into it. If not, because you can't assume that an NFL team is dumb enough to be like, cool, here's a free fourth round pick. Have a good time. Um, so I, I have to imagine there was something to do with, with, you know, but they've done this twice now that we know of that I've, you know, checked into my brain. They've done this twice where they've traded down a spot and gained a bunch of draft capital that they end, that they end up utilizing to get Trent Williams. So you know, that was a, a great move by them. I don't know why. Maybe Tampa Bay hates the fourth round. They were like, the fourth round sucks. I know all these guys, uh, a bunch of, you know, people I work with, their kids are these guys, and I don't want to I don't want to work with them. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but it seemed like they just really wanted to get rid of that fourth round pick. Well, I think they were trying to, I mean, I, I expected them to trade one or both of their first round picks because, uh, like I said in the last episode, my impression was that they were going to undoubtedly find a way to get back into the second, third, and fourth round because not having picks in any of those rounds and only having, they only had seven picks coming into this draft, one of which was acquired via trade with Detroit. So uh, they were definitely, you know, slim pickings this year. And if they wanted to get back to the Super Bowl, which is, of course, is the goal every year, but uh, even more particular for them because they, they don't really. They only lost a few pieces. So the patchwork that needed to get done, you know, could easily be addressed in the draft because they didn't have the cap room to pick up free agents like they did two years ago. So I thought for sure they were going to trade back into those rounds. But when they stayed at 14 and just moved one position and got a fourth out of it, I was like, okay, we're, we got a fourth but and we're staying into the 13th. That means, you know, to me, Perhaps the 31st gets flipped for a third or a second, and we lose that pick, and they stick with the 14th. But to me, I thought, you know, clearly the, the, the 13th pick has a lot more weight to it in terms of what they can get for it. But I thought, like, just a fourth, and, and you move you move down? It doesn't make any sense. But it was very clear that they wanted to fill the void of DeForest Buckner because it's not like they wanted to lose DeForest Buckner they just couldn't pay him and between DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead they're like all right who are we going to pick here we're going to pick the guy that's pretty darn good in our system or we're we going to pick the guy that just broke out and seems to not only do well in our system but thrives in our system and is far more versatile coming out of the inside and outside and in, in playing the multiple roles that he does because DeForest Buckner is pure inside. Eric Armstead plays multiple positions. They they move him all over the place because he just, I guess, he, he just works. No matter what position he was in, he was making an impact. Whereas DeForest Buckner kind of was more of a one-trick pony. So they got Javon Kinlaw, and that just kind of, I was like, all right, cool. So we've got our day one starter that's really going to fill this void. Instead of relying on the depth and rotation pieces to fill that void, those, those pieces seem like they're going to kind of, you know, more or less be what they were this past season and that Javon Kinlaw is going to be now, you know, the newest uh, piece to this fearsome four, you know, the gold rush, as they call it. 
Yeah, it was interesting, and I agree with you, Max. There, there, it, there doesn't seem to be a lot of advantage to moving one place up. Clearly, if you're moving, if you're switching places, and you know you're moving down from 14 to 13 as Tampa Bay, that shows you that whoever San Francisco wants is not the guy you want. So why make this trade? San Francisco clearly doesn't want whatever guy you want, or else they would just go get that guy and they wouldn't trade with you. So it's very strange that they did it again. And once again, it seemed to work into our favor. But who knows, maybe three years from now, we'll be having a, hopefully we won't, but we'll be having a interview, um, a Goldcast episode all about what a bus Kinlaw was. But hopefully it, it turns out okay. But let's go back to that second question. So here we have Jerry Judy sitting there. It's either Judy or Kinlaw which were the two guys, I remember I was saying it during our draft, it's either Judy or Kinlaw, I was saying it to the guys here, and we picked Kinlaw. You were extremely fond of Judy. What do you think about this move right here? How do you feel about it overall, given the landscape of someone from the outside looking in at the 49ers? I think that for me, it's it's one of those things where sometimes you fall in love with a guy that doesn't necessarily fit a scheme as much or another player fits the scheme or what they're going for a little bit more. And that's something I learned uh, a lot watching this draft and how many guys I'm like, so I guess this is sort of what they're trying to run. And this is sort of the system that they want to implement. And I think especially with Shanahan offensively, you know, it still feels like, you know, I, and especially with the addressing, we'll talk about it later. I'm sure the, the, the pick later on, it sort of shows that what he did last season is just what he wants to do, but, you know, a little bit more effectively, that that is like his dream scheme, that that is something he's, He's more consistent about going for. And uh, especially with Kinlaw, uh, him fitting into the system, you know, it, it works pretty well because then they kind of have, you know, three or two interchangeable guys up front because Kinlaw can be a, a, a three, four end or he can be a three, four tackle. You know, he can be he can be either one of those things. And so I think by having both him and Armstead shifting back and forth and, and always lining up at different places and giving their defense a little bit more of like a, a, a Swiss army knife in terms of like, you know, uh, a, a defensive lineman, whereas with someone more like with someone more like Brown, who we were looking at, too, he's more of like a traditional tackle. He's not going to play a lot of end. Uh, he's going to play a lot of tackle. And so what it looks like you guys want to do is with Kinlaw, you want someone that's a little bit more of a, of, of, a, of an option. He can do a couple more things. He's, you know, and he's also a he's going to be a great guy. He's I, I, I can't imagine a world where he's a bust. He's one of the guys that I think has a has a lower bust potential than a lot of other guys. Uh, I think at the very like what might be the thing is he could just end up being a light version of Eric Armstead, which isn't a bad thing at all to have someone that, that does similar things to him and is uh, uh, an athlete and and, you know, has a has a pretty good motor. Um, I think that that's a good call. Uh, I think especially seeing what you guys did later on in the draft, it, sh it sort of showed me more of what you guys hold in high regard offensively and defensively and uh you know upon further review obviously it feels like a, a a good fit for what they're trying to do and uh and i think that you know at the end of the day to pick up a fourth round pick out of it and to end up getting another guy that your coach says was up for debate with kinlaw at that pick later on in the draft uh as far as coaching goes you know you can't hope for anything better than that this whole thing came from we don't get this player if we keep DeForest Buckner because we don't get the 13th. 
if, if we give up Buckner and we acquire that pick and then end up getting not only the 13th, but then move down to the 14th and get an additional fourth round pick that we end up using as currency anyways. It, it never, that never, pick never got used in, in terms of playing, p- picking a, a player. But the amount of, uh, the amount of mileage we got out of the DeForest Buckner trade seemed to pay far more dividends than I originally anticipated. You know, did did you notice that? Uh, did you or did you take that into consideration when you when you take when you saw the pick again? Oh yeah, I mean, I I think definitely the idea of addressing a need that you have with a younger pick uh, for more years and less money is crucial. It's a crucial decision to make, and I think that. Uh, for them, what it, what it feels like for you guys, it feels like you guys were 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 very interested in very. It felt very necessary to immediately attempt to uh, get a draft pick into to to fill that void. Is what it felt like. It felt like right when that trade happened, you sort of had that in your in your mind. I, I don't totally know that if you know because it's always best player available usually for most teams now. But I can't imagine Shanahan even if he was, even if Ayuk was a little bit higher on his board, that he would have gone with that over Kinlaw if Kinlaw was still there. Uh, I think it's a great, I think it's a, a great decision. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's super necessary. And it also shows you guys maybe didn't have a lot of faith in what you had on your roster at that position. Whereas, you know, wide receiver, you know, I still think that Shadahan's pretty high on all of the guys that you have, whether that's warranted or not. And so I think it's more of an indication that, he felt that that was going to be the hole in his defense versus secondary, which I don't think there's a pick for that at 13. You could have traded down uh, or linebackers um, or a receiver or anywhere on the offense. It felt like he thought that that was your number one hole. And there was a player that slotted right around that spot that couldn't have gone much further back after that. And uh, and he kind of, you know, it was kind of a good spot for him to go. That was right around the area he was going anyway, that uh, 13 through 17 region. So, you know, I, I, I think when looking back on it, you know, it totally makes sense that that's what he would go in. But some people have different, you know, theories on that on, you know, do you address a new thing and do you try and change something and pick a guy that you try to fit the system around? Or do you try to find a guy that sort of fits right into the role you want for less money, which is a good idea? Yeah, totally. So let's move on to that second pick we've been kind of alluding to later on right here round in the round one, we get Brandon Ayuk, 25th pick overall. Again, we trade with Minnesota. Minnesota takes our 31st pick. We take their 25th. And now we have Brandon Ayuk, who surprisingly, Shanahan said afterwards, there was two guys on his board. It was C.D. Lamb and Brandon Ayuk. And and Ayuk was the, that Lamb was the one that was giving him the most competition. But Ayuk was the guy that Shanahan wanted, that this was that this was his number one choice at wide receiver. What do you think about that pickup, and what does that tell you as far as the difference between him and Judy? For me, I, and and going back to the podcast too, the last one, I was not I was not super high on Ayuk because I, I think that he's very much a a one note type of player. You know exactly what you're going to get with him, and you know especially in hindsight when looking at how the draft panned out, you know exactly what they want to do. You know, and it feels like my only issue with him was that they had so many guys on the roster that do that exact same thing. Uh, and, you, and if you look back at his college career, almost all of his production was done on three routes, which were screens, uh, deep routes, and, uh, and, and, and real quick routes. That's everything he does. He's basically just a run-after-catch guy, an elite run-after-catch guy. I think he had 11 yards after catch uh, on average. 
uh, per reception. So, so it, he's, you know, he's got elite production in that category. Um, and so I feel like, I feel like Niners it's, do love yak. They play a short oh, yardage game. <clears throat> apparently. Cause, and, and looking at it too, you're like, okay, I now know what Shanahan wants to do. That's, that's his ideas. He's, he's, it's, it's a very, it's a, it's going to be an effective scheme. It's been effective. And especially having guys at receiver that do more of what he wants instead of just Marquise Goodwin, who's, you know, healthy some of the time, he ended up shipping out for a draft pick as well. Instead of just having him who's healthy some of the time really is just a, a deep ball threat. You know, you have somebody that can do a couple more things is, is, is a better version of that. Um, and, you know, to, to get him where you, where you get him, you know, is good. I do think that there's no reason that they should have traded up. Uh, I don't think that there's a reason for that. I think that he could have gotten there. They must've had some information that he was going to get picked somewhere in that, um, amount of time. But I also think that coaches grade from their own system and who they think fits the best in their system, because I don't think you'd find anybody that would tell you that he is even in the same discussion as the top three guys that we were talking about. But that's not a slight on him. That's uh, just a slight on how, you know, he fits maybe this system or what Shanahan envisions him to fit better than, you know, any of the other guys, you know. So I, 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 I'm, I'm not necessarily as high on this pick as like, a, you know, as myself, but it makes sense for what Shanahan is trying to do. And you know what? You just sparked a question from me based on that. Oh, yeah. No, not a question. A comment. It was Miami. Miami, Miami was the was the team that was going was going to try and, and nab Brandon Ayuk. And so if you notice when the Niners traded down and picked him up, Miami traded out of that spot. I think they were 28th, I think is that they were 27th or 28th, but Miami was the was the the team that they had caught wind wanted to nab. Uh, Brandon Ayuk. That was the team. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, I, 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 uh, I think teams must be much higher on him. It's, it's just hard. I think it comes from also my aversion to one year players. Now guys that sort of blew up in one year after the whole Mitch Trubisky thing. I think I have a little bit of like a, you know, I need to see a more, you know, a larger amount of, of, uh, of, of, of things. I need to see what you can do outside of that. But again, you know, he's elite in that thing that Shanahan holds in high regard, which is yards after catch. Uh, you know, I, I, in my opinion, you know, I think, and this is a funny thing. I think I commented this in, in our little group text for our fantasy football league. Um, I, it reminds me a little bit of like the, uh, the magic that year that they beat LeBron, where it just feels like there's a bunch of three point shooters, just, you know, standing at the three point line. And then you got Kittle who's, you know, your Dwight Howard, just catching rebounds right in the middle of the field when you need that to be the case. You know, you got a bunch of home run hitters trying to go out there and, and, you know, I feel like, you know, I, it's, it's effective. It's, 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 it worked for you guys last year. I just, you know, I think that it would have been nice to have a more possession receiver that isn't just Kittle, you know, in your offense. Well, I think you you have you have a couple of dynamic players there. You have you obviously have Kittle, but you all also have the Swiss Army knife that became Debo Samuel as he progressed throughout the season and turned what was, you know, what I thought was a pretty typical rookie season in the early quarter, early half of the season for the Niners and then became a bona fide number one, number two receiver in that offense and also became an integral part of the running game, not not only blocking and or not only coming out of those jet sweep uh, running plays, but also doing some blocking downfield and acting as a decoy too, because teams were also anticipating him in the latter half of the season too. But 
Shanahan's so good at masking his plays or having plays, having a, a play have the same, a similar formation, you know, three plays in a row, but then have all the motion be completely different from the previous play and then have the play do something completely different than the play before it. And he's just masterful at that. But I also think that, uh, you know, I think the Niners are also banking on the fact that they have versatile running backs that can also catch out of the backfield. We know that they love to do that. Dwelly stepped in for Kittle at certain parts of the season and proved to be a fairly reliable receiver, albeit not as dynamic as George Kittle, obviously, but someone that can be utilized as well. Kyle Juszczyk also seemed to get more attention in the latter half of the season, and he's got great hands and also did that. And he's got incredible strength despite not looking like you know um, your Mike Allstotts or even your Tom Rathmans of the league, but does possess a lot of uh, unassuming uh, power and also just great has good hands too. So I think you got some pieces there. I think they're hoping that some of the pieces that they acquired last season, like Jalen Hurd, can develop into something a, a player that has multi. You know, he's, he's versatile. Not only is he a receiver, but he was a running back. So they're hoping that, you know, you have a, p- a player there who if can stay healthy and develop correctly, can also become another Debo Samuel-like weapon where he's used in multifaceted roles. Although, you know, and Brandon Ayuk, who knows? You know, this coaching staff likes to use players in all kinds of different ways. Although Brandon Ayuk probably, I think he falls more in the category of some of the players that are more or less, you know, just receivers and that's it. Like, you know, like your Kendrick Bournes and your uh you know Trent Trent Taylor before he got injured and uh, who else there's uh uh Dante Pettis you know before he just started to fall out of favoritism with Kyle Shanahan from just not being productive um but those guys don't really see much versatility outside of their primary roles and I think that's just because that's just who they are and so perhaps Brandon Ayuk can be something like that but only better than those players but uh, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, but I'm kind of you know I I don't know these players as well as you, Max, which is why you're here. But um I but obviously we have a little bit of a closer eye on you know what the Niners do with their players, and so I'm I'm kind of hoping that they uh, the coaching staff molds him into something more than perhaps what he's perceived as right now. Yeah, I mean I I think Shanahan's a great coach. I have I have no I mean he he you know single handedly is going to help out my franchise by getting LaFleur a head coaching job somewhere so he can do a shitty version of what Shanahan does. So I appreciate him for that, for he's now in that, uh, in, in, in that, uh, that, uh, Sean McVay mold where they're just anybody that's ever touched him is going to be a head coach somewhere. And, uh, and so, you know, that's, that's a good sign for the head coach. It's a good sign for the head coach. Um, and he's, he's great at what he does. And I think he fits the scheme that they're trying to run. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting because I think that what we saw with Lamar Jackson isn't just a thing for Lamar Jackson for one year. And I don't think it's just a thing for the Ravens. And I don't think what the Niners are doing is going to go away. I think that we're heading more to everyone's thinking pass offenses and everything's pass heavy. But there's a way to create that same type of system with running the ball and with, you know, fast, quick receivers on the outside. And I think the Niners are really pushing the boundaries of that. And I think that's really cool. And I'm super excited to see. Uh, and Brandon Ayuk also, just for you guys, is going to be a great returner. You guys are going to love him as a return man. So no matter what, he'll always be productive in that aspect. Uh, and, and I just think for the system, he's, he's, he's a good fit for what I believe they're trying to do. And it makes more sense because, you know, when you look at, when you look at what uh, Jerry Judy did, he, he ran a lot out of the slot too. 
Uh, and I thought he could still, you know, he could still focus on the outside as well. But especially with the slot, you don't want to necessarily have him getting in the way of Kittle, who's running a little bit more on the inside as well. So uh, it just makes a lot of sense. And, and I get what they're trying to do. I just wish they didn't trade up for it. There you go. All right. So we don't need to talk about Trent Williams. You know, his resume speaks for himself. Let's move on to rounds five, six, and seven. So after, but after, after in the mid draft, once we traded and we received Trent Williams from Washington, we then went and got Colton McKivitz from West Virginia, 153rd overall. Are you familiar with him? We traded via Matt Breida to a tra- to acquire this pick for Colton McKivitz. How did you feel? Are you familiar with him? That's number one. Uh, Offensive linemen are a little bit more, uh, I'm a little bit rougher on. I think that offensive linemen so heavily, you'll even see it later on in drafts too. You'll see guys not on other teams' boards being picked up. So much of them are projections. Uh, it's harder to tell than others. So uh, offensive line, I'm still working on my uh, my ability to read their steps, uh, even though I was an offensive lineman myself. So, you know, I got to work on trying to trying to figure out why I was so shitty. <laughs> yeah, Colton, that, you know, I kind of figured that would be the answer. I mean, Colton McKivitz, I, I, I feel like we're really just looking for depth uh, at O-line. And me, that's uh, that's probably the one place the 49ers could choose every year ad nauseum, and I never get tired of it. I know that they're never sexy picks, but you could just go O-line, O-line, O-line every year, and I'm happy uh, versus, like, you know, I don't necessarily need – big sexy picks all the time but I, I somebody to protect the more to protect Jimmy G the better that's kind of how I always feel about it as 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 sad as it is as a Bears fan I'm used to most of our offensive linemen you know we have we've had two tackles that are undrafted free agents you know we, we've had tackles that are undrafted free agents seventh round picks sixth round picks that have started for us for a long time and so I'm used to seeing them they're they can be productive members if coached up by the right offensive line coach um you know, and I think for those, it's very much you have to trust in the team on what they see. And, uh, and and I think that for you guys, you know, what you guys are looking at, and I know this about your tight end that you got, uh, you guys are looking at, team, at, at guys that can run block. You guys are looking at more guys, create offensive line depth that can run block. That's the main focus for you guys. Uh, so if you got some guys that are, you know, uh, hand in the dirt, you know, face, you know, helmet to helmet, smashing arms, hitting shoulder pads, you know, you want... You want uh, aggressive run blockers. So if you guys are getting that, I think you're starting off pretty, pretty well. Yeah, that actually leads me into the round six pick, which for, you know, the uninformed, a lot of people were saying, why would we get another tight end? Why would we get Charlie Warner when we have George Kittle? And from everything I understand, and you could probably you could probably shed some more light on this. It's because of his run blocking ability. That's really why we picked this guy up. Yeah, no, he's uh, uh He's uh, Warner Werner. It's probably it's probably Burner. It's spelled all weird. Uh, so it's probably German. I'm just going out on the limb. <laughs> uh, it, he's uh, he played at Georgia. Um, he's been a you know uh, uh, a fringe starting tight end for most of his time the last two years there. Uh, he had I think like nine catches last year. So he's not a, a pass catching tight end, but he played in the SEC. Uh, so he's used to, I mean, all, uh, think about it. You guys got Kinlaw, uh, uh, Chason and Brown, all of the, all of the defensive linemen drafted in the first round are all in the sec. So he's one of the tight ends that's, that's, you know, there to block them. And, uh, and he's, uh, he, he won some type of Georgia award for, for toughness there. He's, uh, you know, he's an aggressive run blocking tight end. Uh, you can go in and pass blocking. Uh, basically what you're looking at is like a glorified tackle tight end. 
Um, you guys have had a lot of those in your time. You've had a lot of those tight ends that are just sort of bruisers that are there just to, you know, you know, create the line. Um, so I, and I like pickups like that. I think that those are underrated picks that aren't as sexy. No one's going to be getting his Jersey, but you know, you better bet that in goal line situations, short yardage situations, uh, situations probably where Kittle's on the field as well. Um, he'll be out there blocking. You might see him play some, you know, fullback. You might see him in the backfield at certain times. Um, big guy, strong guy. Uh, you know, I, I, I like pickups like that later on in the draft. You know, because just because a guy doesn't get a lot of a lot of, you know, receptions doesn't mean, especially as a tight end in an offense like yours, doesn't mean that they're not going to see the field a lot and doesn't mean they can't develop really well. So, yeah, I, I, I thought he made perfect sense for the 49ers. It was it was a it was a head scratcher for everyone else. I'm like, nah, you really look at what this guy's bringing to the table. It makes perfect sense. And I was excited for the pick. Raymond, what did you think as far as uh, Charlie Warner's skill set? Did you think it was a good fit for the Niners as well? Yeah, I mean, I I don't I'm not expecting huge things from some of these tight ends because George Kittle's obviously the front and center. Dwelly's going to be the number two tight end. You know, this this tight end was really addressing Garrett Selleck's retirement and also the departure of Toy Lolo, who has been in the league for like eight seasons and hasn't really done a whole lot, but he did play with Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta, which is why he was with us in the first place. But, uh, you know, this is a player that's going to kind of sit under our two starting tight ends and learn a lot. I mean, you can learn a lot from a player. Uh, I mean, George Kittle's arguably the best tight end in the NFL. So he's going to gain a lot just from playing and he's going to get some action. You know, it's just he's just not he's just going to get, you know, the the lease of the lion's share. I don't, the the, the uh, what is it? The cub share of touches uh, in this offense. Let's move on to our final pick of the eve- evening juan jennings a-, a wide receiver i know nothing about we literally did we we did not really speak about him he wasn't even on the on our last episode when you were here max do you, what can you tell us about juan jennings out of tennessee uh juan jennings uh i've actually remember seeing him play a few times uh on tennessee uh i believe he was a super high recruit someone that had like a lot of um uh, a lot of buzz about him, but unfortunately, Tennessee's kind of like a black hole for for prospects. Uh, they just haven't had a lot of good coaching lately. Uh, they don't seem to produce as well. Um, but it's sort of a blue blood college school, so it, it's a little strange. Um, but again, I think it's one of those things where in any other class, he's probably like a third, fourth rounder. Uh, this wide receiver class is insane. It's an insane wide re- wide receiver class. Just going to, you know, it, like that's why I don't understand why the Packers didn't draft anybody. But that's not, you know, for right now. But like mm-hmm. it's it, he's uh, he's he's a great run after catch receiver. Uh, I think he was credited with the most uh, missed tackles force of any receiver in the FBS. And he wasn't a leading receiver. Uh, so, you know, it says something about his strength. Um, I was reading up before this, Shanahan said that he would ha- that he could play linebacker or safety. Like that's how big and strong and aggressive he is. And so I think, you know, strangely enough, uh, you know, he fits in also with what, you know, Shanahan wants to do. Cause there's one or two guys on your, on your team that are definite possession receivers. And that's definitely what he is. He's not necessarily super sure handed. Uh, he's a pretty good athlete. They love his tape. Um, I, I liked watching him, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to be the number one receiver on, you know, a bottom barrel sec team. Um, but he was, uh, you know, good pedigree, some off the field issues. Um, but you know, a, a, a real good player. 
Yeah, some people seem to be really high on him considering the round we got him in. Yeah, he's got a lot of high grades. I think it's because he, uh, he how how far he fell in the draft and that he ended up in the Niners' lap. So I, I think it's just, I think he was projected higher on some other mock drafts. I didn't read those mock drafts, but that seems to be the impression I'm getting from some of the experts because he's he got a lot of uh, high praise grades from the pundits in the... Uh, you know, all of the uh, the post-draft grading that, that often goes on. Yeah, I mean, I think mostly what it is, I mean, he's definitely a guy that, that if he didn't have off-the-field issues would have been, you know, in that talk of uh, second, third, fourth round re- region. Um, he uh, He's had a couple of off-the-field issues. Uh, what so were those that, uh, issues? By, by uh, Let's see. I'm pulling up. I was reading. Uh he was dismissed in 2017 for just, you know, Twitter shit, uh, posting just negative shit on Twitter, which is just never a good idea. And then uh, as recently as January, he was suspended uh, for uh, for stepping on a player uh, in the last game of the regular season. So uh, so it's just like some issues like that. I think it's not necessarily forgivable, but it's like. Sometimes with players like him, as aggressive as he is, and as much as you love that aggression, it also shows the lack of maturity. Um, but, you know, we've seen players like Ndamukong Sue be like that. Sometimes the biggest, baddest guys can't turn it off at times. They don't know when to be like, hey, just harness it and just act on it later uh, in, uh, in a healthy way, in a game fashion. Take it that way. Don't, don't go out of the bounds of the game. Um, but, you know, sometimes with talent like that, as long as coaches have done their homework on them and feel like they have the coaching staff and the environment to cultivate that, especially for a late sixth round pick for a guy that could have been, you know, up much higher. I think that's definitely worthy of a shot. Uh, overall, what, where do you grade the Niners? What do you think? As someone looking out, what, what, what do you give them? An A, B, yeah. C, D, F? Yeah. Where, do you, where do you Yeah, stand? Rich Eisen says they won the draft. I don't know if you stand in, in the same boat with Rich Eisen, but uh, but what we're curious to hear what your take is. I mean, I don't know about won the draft. I, I don't know if you can have a much better draft than they did with the amount of picks that they had. Uh, I think not factoring in the Trent Williams trade, it's probably in the, in the upper mid-B range. So probably like B-plus-ish, I would say. Um, but with the Trent Williams trade, it's, it's an A. I mean, you, you found a way to get, you know, uh, a replacement for your, you know, perennial left tackle. That's, you know, one of the better left tackles in the game with, you know, a, a, a better left tackle, uh, you know, even if it is for a short amount of time, cause I don't know if you guys could, you know, not pay your starting tackle. I don't know if you can find a way to pay Trent Williams or what that whole deal is, but that's, you know, that's for the future. That's to see where that ends up going afterwards. Um, especially because he wants to get paid like the best tackle in football. So that's a different thing. But I, I, I really liked your draft. I thought you addressed all the needs that you wanted. Um, I think for me personally, how I would draft differently doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything for what I believe after watching the draft unfold, what you guys are trying to do. Um, and especially with the picks that you were given, you handled it about as well as you could. You drafted, you drafted offensive line, which is what you need. Uh, maybe defensive back is something I would have wished you had done, which is why I can't give you an A plus because I feel like uh, you know there's 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 enough depth in the draft to be able to maybe address uh, some 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 cornerbacks for the future. 
Rudy was uh, Rudy was very curious about that too. Same thing uh, last season as well, and they ended up becoming the best secondary in all of football. And uh, all of those players are coming back for and are signed for this upcoming season. It's next year when that's going to become an issue, and perhaps you know there's going to be a lot of moving pieces. Now I did hear this. I don't know if you are familiar with this, Max. I heard that next year's draft is going to have a lot more depth in terms of quality defensive back players. Are you hearing the same uh, echoes? Yeah, defensive back is, is going to be wild next year. There's a lot of guys. I mean, look forward to there's there's more LSU defenders. Like we're looking at all the LSU defenders right now. The best defensive player on LSU is coming out next year. Um, there's a lot more there's a lot more depth defensively. It feels like defensive back is just getting better and better even this year, which is, you know, some might consider a down year as a, you know, because there's not a lot of first round talent. But they're in the second round. There's so much talented second tier players, so many talented second tier players that are that are up there. You know, I, I feel like we're just going to keep getting this influx of defensive backs because truthfully, I, I think that with the way that, you know, next level stats are, are showing us, they're the new quarterbacks. They're going to be the new quarterbacks. We've been paying edge rushers like, you know, quarterbacks, which I still uh, identify with and I still think that that's a better you know that that's a better way to go but a lot of next gen stats are saying defensive backs are the new quarterbacks and and as we know in everything this is America if we know in anything it's where the money is which is where the talent is going to go to you know and once you realize that there's that there's a position where the top cornerback can get paid an insane amount of money everyone's going to be playing cornerback and I really think that there's a lot of talent this year it just sucks because I don't know how much college football we're going to be able to see so that's the rough part about next year's draft is I feel like a lot of teams hoping that they're going to get enough information for next year's draft is is a bit risky and 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 so I feel like that's my only qualm with it is how much tape are we going to be able to see because there are plenty of players in this year's draft Grant Delpit looked amazing uh, last year and then this year looked good but couldn't tackle anybody he won defensive play he went uh, the defensive back of the year award in college and he couldn't tackle anybody and and so if you only see someone's junior tape you don't see the next year tape you don't know how they've changed or what they've done and so I feel like that's my only concern but next year is going to be a great uh, defensive back class if we if we can get a season going that's one of the feedback from one of the beat writers of San Francisco. It's going on. It's like, you know, the only thing that he could think of at this time was that the fact that all of the secondary is signed. They were number one last season and they don't have to address any of those contracts until this until next year, which includes Richard Sherman. You know, uh, some of them are cheap and will be easy to resign like Emmanuel Mosley. But uh, they'll also have the draft to perhaps fill the void of players that will most likely depart, you know, either because they didn't perform well or because they did and they can't be re-signed because of cap issues. Although the cap is getting extended next year too. So there is that to consider as well. But 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 at the same time, you know, players like George Kittle need to get paid as well. And he's going to obviously demand a pretty big contract uh, come next year. I would have liked to have seen them draft a cornerback as well. At least one defensive back. I agree with you, Max. Hey, they they say outside a quarterback, it's the second most difficult position to play. Yeah, and and as Max, I, I'm yes-anding you on 
on that. You know, next gen stats, it's where the Patriots always put their money, right? They they always that's where they're willing to pay is that corner. That's what Seattle did for uh, during the same time during the Harbaugh era. They put a lot of their they ignored they did the opposite. They ignored the offensive line and put a lot of their cap money into their secondary, which is why they were able to stay. You know that that defense was able to stay intact uh, so good for so long especially in pass coverage. Pass coverage is hard. If you have good pass coverage guys and you lock them up, that's huge. Yeah, got them back to back, so, you know, it uh, you know, I I agree. It would have been nice to see one one player at one of the later rounds, but uh but at the same time, you know, who am I to question uh a team that just made it to the Super Bowl and was within 7 minutes of winning the damn thing, you know? Yeah, I I think that it's 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 hard and especially you know, it feels like the Niners are, have been one of the few teams very active in the undrafted free agency pool. I haven't seen a lot of defensive backs taken by them yet, um, but I'm sure they'll find something. And, you know, somebody said this, I forget who it was, who, who specifically takes credit for it. But this is the most talented undrafted free agent class that's ever existed because there's a lot of guys that weren't given a chance to be drafted because we needed more information on them and we couldn't get it because we had less time and less opportunities for that. So I feel like there's plenty of guys that could be signed that could still be factors. Um, I, I always am, am a proponent of addressing things before they're too late. Uh, but sometimes you'll take it too literally, and then you become the Green Bay Packers. So, <laughs> Yeah, let's move on. That's a great segue. So let's talk about your draft and the Packers draft. Obviously, that is the rivalry in the NFC North, obviously, most without question, the most famous rivalry in all the NFL, Bears and Packers. You've got. We would love to see you knock off the Packers, because uh, you know we're we are not fan favorites in any way, shape, or form. We we uh, you're the enemy of my enemy is my friend. We have a mutual enemy here. You guys went. Uh, you guys started in the second round. You went Cole Komet. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, Cole Komet. Cole Komet, another tight end, which we'll get to that in a second. Jalen Johnson, cornerback. Tra- Travis Gibson, edge. Kendall Vildor, which sounds like a medieval uh, knight that is great at murdering. Uh, that co- Another cornerback. Darnell Mooney, wide receiver. And then you went two guards, Arlington Hambright and uh, Lachavius Simmons. Overall, kind of the same thing. Like When you look at your draft, it makes a lot of sense. You're going edge, get a little bit of pass rush, help shore up the corners, and then you're grabbing yourself some more help on the line with two guards and a tight end. How do you feel overall about this draft? A lot of people said, hey, why didn't they grab a quarterback? But again, we you do have Nick Foles over there, and we talked about this too. I, I think Nick Foles is really serviceable, and if Trubisky's his backup, that's probably the best place for Trubisky to be. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I, I mean, I, like, where would they have wanted us to address the quarterback? The only quarterbacks I think are worthy of taking as an option. Uh, I mean, there are three. The two quarterbacks I think were really worthy of taking as an option, you know, both went in the first five picks. And then the next quarterback ended up being taken by the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, who I thought was an awesome, crazy, weird choice. I'm so excited to see what Taysom Hill type shit that Jalen Hurts is going to do over there. That's going to be a crazy thing. But, you know, I would have liked to have someone like Jalen Hurts, but also I feel like we're not the Packers. We're not trying to win, you know, we're not we're not trying to give away this season so that we can develop a guy for four years after we still have our quarterback that we drafted on this. And I think really what they're doing is is they're betting on Trubisky and they're betting on Nick Foles 
And uh, if it doesn't work out, we have a high draft pick. If it does work out, you know, then we can go from there, right? Uh, but I think as far as our draft is concerned, I would have loved to get a safety. Um, it doesn't look like, at least from what I've seen of the cornerbacks that we drafted, which I like. I like our cornerbacks. I like the value of them. I love Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson's a guy that, you know, would have been the number three cornerback hands down had he not had shoulder injuries, right? But, you know, injuries happen, and I think taking a chance on someone like that, he's a great press corner, uh, loved our value for him. Uh, Cole Komet is the only complete tight end in the draft. He's the only guy that can block and can catch. Uh, he's a he's a really good tight end. Um, you know, I think in most drafts he would have gone there. He was the only tight end I think worthy of a thir- of a second round pick. Uh, never going to be super sexy. He's going to be more of a Kyle Rudolph type of uh, tight end. He's going to be more of one of those guys that's sure handed. He's going to be a great you know a great blanket for for one of our quarterbacks to have when they're in trouble. Um, I still don't love a tight end. We have so many tight ends and for them to acknowledge that, that we don't need eight of the 10 tight ends we have on our roster is kind of insane because that's essentially what they're doing. They're like, Hey, this tight end is more valuable than all these other guys. Cause he's a second round pick. And all these guys are undrafted free agents. We have a thousand of them. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, edge is good to have. Uh, we just signed Robert Quinn, but it's sometimes I feel like people don't understand that edge rushers are like three point shooters off the bench in basketball. You know, you want a few of them. You want some guys that can come in and rush the passer, even if that's their only job. Uh, Gibson was a guy that could also have gone much higher, uh, not much higher, but third round, late second round, third round. So that was a great value pick. Uh, the guards at the end of the draft, I don't know. <laughs> like I was looking at him and I was looking at other people who had reviewed it and they're like, we don't know these guys professionals were like (laughs) we don't know who these guys are so there's something to it i think and that's why i always say like offensive line outside of like the top cream of the crop picks is hard to judge the only issue i have is is no addressing of safety and and you know taking picks you know like i would have loved to have seen one of our guards get taken we have plenty of guards that i feel like were great options later on the draft uh, Biotish out of Wisconsin was a center guard combo who had some injury issues, but was a second round talent if he was healthy. So I feel like taking him where he ended up going in like the fifth round, I feel like finding a way to get someone like that later on in the draft, uh, addressing receiver is a good idea. I think we needed another fast receiver and that's what we get with, uh, with Mooney. He's a great, great fast receiver. So I feel like that's another good option to have. Uh, I actually love our receiving core. I don't feel like our receiving core gets enough credit because they have Mitch Trubisky throwing to him. Uh, no one develops random guys that you've never heard of that are late round picks like the Bears do at receiver for some stupid reason. We have great undrafted free agents that end up signing crazy contracts later on with other teams. You know, Josh Bellamy signed a contract with the Cowboys. Fucking Cameron Meredith got paid a bunch of money by the Saints. Like random guys that were nobodies. So, you know, I always have faith in our judgment of receivers later on in drafts. Uh, and honestly, um, you know, with uh, with with our franchise, I think we're great late in drafts. And so I have no reason to doubt that. It's always the early picks that I doubt. But I think Jalen Johnson is a huge win. Um, but I'd say our draft overall, probably about a uh, probably about a B minus. Now, let's take a look at your competitor, our mutual mutual rival here the green bay packers in that shocking turn of events right after the 49ers 
They draft that quarterback, Jordan Love, out of Utah. Then they go A.J. Dillon, which is a running back. They grab a tight end for themselves, Josiah DeGuara, I think is how you say his name. Then they went in the fifth round. They went with a linebacker, Kamal Martin. Then they went O-line three in a row with all with three six picks, three picks in the sixth round, all O-line. They went John Runyon, Jake Hansen, Simon Stepaniak, I believe is how you say that. And then in the seventh round, they did they grabbed a safety, Vernon Scott, and then went with the edge, Jonathan Garvin. How do you feel about the Green Bay Packers? And do you think this this is, I mean, the grades I am seeing across the board for these guys, I'm looking at some of these grades, D, C, D, C minus, B minus, D minus. I mean, they were just getting ripped to shreds for their draft. How do you feel about their draft? Even, you know, just just trying to take it from a, a, a neutral stance. Is this a big, is this a big get for these guys? Uh, the, the, the quarterback is definitely weird. I, I, I don't think we're there yet with, uh, with Aaron Rodgers, but how do you feel? Um, I feel in a totally objective standpoint, um, I feel like it all hinges kind of on Jordan Love, on what that pick ends up being. Um, people keep drawing the comparison to Favre and Rodgers, but Rodgers was, by some people's you know boards, the number one quarterback in the draft, and he slid all the way to them. And so it makes sense why they picked him in that situation. Jordan Love was pretty universally the third or fourth quarterback, third at best, because Justin Herbert is by no means a surefire prospect. Um, and, and I think that the thing that sort of shot above draft boards is just because Patrick Mahomes is a thing. Everyone thinks that they're going to get another Patrick Mahomes. And the reality of the situation is he is a unicorn. They don't make people like that. They 100%. don't make people that run around like Brett Favre but who make decisions like Tom Brady. They don't, they don't make those guys. Those guys don't exist. And, you know, to hope that you find one in a guy that has literally the worst decision-making of any quarterback in this draft is a little bit ridiculous. Um, but uh, if they saw something that they like and he ends up working out, we all look dumb. Um, the only issue that I have with that pick specifically that's, you know, that supersedes my Bears fanness uh, is that I don't understand understand what they think they're doing with him sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is not going to be there uh, in, you know, before his contract is up. I can't imagine him going through with the whole contract. Um, they got him no weapons. He continues to have the worst supporting cast of any quarterback, not named Tom Brady, but now Tom Brady finally got one. Right. And so I feel like for me, it just seems like they're hoping that he sits behind Aaron Rodgers and has a chance to, to learn but he doesn't get that opportunity. You know, he's not really going to get that opportunity to sit behind Brett Favre for four years. You know, Aaron Rodgers got four years, three years, three and a half years of sitting behind Brett Favre before he actually became the quarterback. Whereas, you know, there's no way that he lasts that long. And the rest of their draft, honestly, was a bunch of overdrafts. Drafting A.J. Dillon in the second round, who's like a third, fourth round talent, who's just a plodding, you know, power running back. Uh, in today's NFL, not a great pick. Uh, you know, I love John Runyon. Uh, uh, his, it's, it's the son of, you know, Hall of Famer John Runyon, which I was like, I don't give a shit. I'll take him in the sixth round. So I like that pick. <laughs> um, but, but I think as far as their draft is concerned, you know, it shows it, it it's the, the Packers have never been great at drafting throughout the draft. They have a lot of really good hits 
and they do not do anything in free agency, which becomes an issue. So their drafting has to be on point. Uh, and I think, honestly, you guys would have a good say in this with the Packers. You're going to see a lot of, you know, like I said, diet Kyle Shanahan stuff going on. It's going to be a lot of what you guys are doing. Um, but, you know, with them, they're trying to get a stable of running backs that they can use like you guys did. They're trying to get quicker receivers, you know, they, but, but for them, instead of getting quick guys, they just have big guys, you know, and, and it, it's, it's just confusing. It feels like, it feels like when someone's, you know, trying to uh, like draw something that somebody else drew, but they don't know how to do it. So they're just kind of trying to do it by hand. And it just looks like a shitty version of what they're doing. Um, and so I just think that the Packers kind of missed the mark on this draft. But if love hits, it'll be amazing how much we forget about the rest of this draft. That's true. But here's the question. Is love going to have an opportunity to hit? Because, I mean, you know, it's not when is let me ask you this. Do you know when Rogers contract is up? I believe he has three more years left. OK, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe if he hits in three, I mean, three years, is that's still a decent amount of time. But uh, but he's not going up there anytime soon. And yeah, I, I thought that was a weird one, too. I thought that was a really weird one, especially for a team trying to, to win now. You know, it feels like it, it feels like for a team that has so much regression opportunity, you know, they made a huge mistake by not addressing any of their immediate needs right now. You know, it, it feels like they missed an opportunity. It, it, their defense is going to regress. Uh, their offense is going to regress. There's going to be opportunities and they're trying to become a more run heavy offense, which is totally fair. You can, you can do that if you want to, but, but I just feel like they need to address more. There was more that needed to be addressed. And it felt like they did a lot of stuff for the future. You know, a tight end is, is not effective in their first year, almost exclusively. You know, there are great tight ends like this year. We're going to see a lot of breakout years from, from uh, 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 Fant and Hawkinson who did nothing really last year besides a couple of big games by Fant. You know, tight ends are notorious for taking a long time to develop. And they just drafted a tight end last year in the second round. You know, uh, offensive linemen, you know, maybe they'll have some depth pieces for the future. Their tackles are not lasting. Uh, uh, Bakhtiardi and, and, you know, is, is, has never stayed healthy for a full 16-game season. Uh, so that'll inevitably happen. But honestly, I think it says a lot more about what they think of Aaron Rodgers. They're, they're tired of his shit because he's kind of just like if Jay Cutler was a good quarterback. You know, and I think that's why I love Aaron Rodgers is he's like, you know, a good quarterback version of Jay Cutler. He's kind of a fucking dick. He's kind of a prick. <laughs> and and I like that. I enjoy that about him. It's fun about him. It feels like he should become a Chicago Bear, I think is what I'm saying. I think that he should join <laughs> the Chicago Bears. And I think that we should try to win a Super Bowl. That's that's just my perspective. Totally sign up. I want the alternate universe where he requests a trade and goes to Chicago. Who doesn't want to be there? Where Nick Foles is his backup, and you guys just get rid of Trubisky, or you send Trubisky to 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 Green Bay. I want to be in this world so bad. That sounds amazing. Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 more of my fantasy world than than Marvel or or Star Wars or anything. Living in that world. I would I would uh, I would die a happy man or just be able to finally see a successful Bears quarterback, which is unbelievable. <laughs> I think Rogers knows that his coach is also a I like how you put it, a diet Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, and he doesn't like it. 
Because, like, that's the hard part is unless you have, like, it's great for Garoppolo, who jumping into a situation where he's the starting quarterback and, and being able to do that and learning with the system and, and buying in right away, I think that that's great. But having a guy that's, you know, maybe the most talented quarterback of, you know, of that entire generation up until Mahomes, like, he doesn't want to sit around and, and, you know, hand the ball off a bunch of times and throw a bunch of screens, you know, and, and, and you know, work in an offense like that. And, I, and, and he also, you know, I give Aaron Rodgers credit. He knows a bad coach when he sees one. You know, he had to deal with Mike McCarthy, who people still think is a good coach and got a job with the Cowboys and will still win games because people just gave the Cowboys a great draft. Like I don't even know, and and Jerry Jerry Jones for all his flaws, he's actually he's actually not bad at working with his staff to pick good talent. No, it's a great draft. They had a really really good draft. They just had C.D. Lamb, who is you know the one or two best receiver in this draft, just fall to him, and like they're like, what are we not going to take him? And now offensively, you know, if they can block it all, you're like, what do you do? What do you like? How do you what are you going to do with them? Uh, so, you know, and, and I think that for them, it just happened like this whole draft was just them having picks fall to them and then just not shitting the bed, which, you know, is I don't necessarily know as much of a praise to Jerry Jones as it just is like, you know, a shitting on other teams, just letting guys fall. So let me ask you a question. If you were to give them a grade, what would your grade be for the Green Bay Packers? I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like an F doesn't make sense. Cause that just kind of means they just picked a bunch of guys like, you know, that were terrible or just guys that all had injury or off the field issues, you know, overdrafting, but they overdrafted a lot and they did not address their number one need at all. And they addressed a need in the second round with an overdraft of uh, that. They didn't have, they don't need another running back. They've got two adequate running backs on their roster you don't need three you don't need you know you had one awesome running back a second pretty good running back you don't need a third young running back to develop behind those two you know i i just think that you know i don't want to be like uh too over the top but it feels like a d it feels like a d i don't want to go d minus because that feels so aggressive but it feels like you can't say it's not a d even if love hits this draft couldn't possibly be an a because, you know, drafting one good quarterback is awesome. It helps your franchise out. But I'm telling you right now, we are not going to remember any of these other guys from this draft. It, 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 it's, it's, there's no way, because that would mean that LaFleur keeps a fucking job, which he, he, he won't. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think LaFleur is definitely trying to build the running back committee that steamrolled them in both games. Uh, uh, that they played the Niners this season. That's clearly what they're trying to do. They, you know, Jamal Williams is clearly underutilized, who's definitely, as you put it, adequate. And, you know, I know you didn't want to be too harsh on Green Bay, but Pro Football Focus gave him a D. Sporting News gave him a D. uh, CBS Sports gave him a D. USA Today gave them a D. Roto World gave them an F. Uh, Walter Football gave them an F. The Washington Post gave them a D. NFL.com gave them a C minus. Uh, Established the Run gave them an F. The New York Post gave them a C. I mean, Green Bay's got some pretty bad grade. Nothing is above a C here. Yeah, it's 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 not a good draft. It's it's not a good draft. I feel like 
you know, I reserve Fs for like trading away all your picks for Ricky Williams. Like, I feel like that's like <laughs> that's what it's reserved yeah. for. Yeah. That's but like, but like, you know, so I feel like you can't give him an F because that just feels so dramatic and almost like you're trying to like roast a terrible movie. But like, it's not good because it, it, it's they overdrafted for everything. They overdrafted for almost every one of their important picks. And, and you know, some people might end up working out. I was being hyperbolic by saying that, you know, no one's going to know any of these guys. But still, it just feels like from, you know, a strict value standpoint, they did not understand value. And I think it has to do with the fact that the Packers are such an old school organization. You know, they've always been old school. And I think that that'll be a weird, interesting dynamic between someone like Lafleur, who is trained from a very new school uh, method, and uh, and you know their their front office, which you know Ted Thompson ha- has always been a you know addressing the draft. No one wants to sign here because we're in Green Bay, Wisconsin. No one wants to go to Green Bay, and it's just like. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, and even this is another thing I think I texted too in the group chat. He even looks like he's trying to be Kyle Shanahan. It's so uncomfortable to see. It just feels like 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 everybody else needs to understand that he is not even hiding how much he just wants to be the Niners. And as we all know, you can't you no one ever wins by being a knockoff. You have to create your own your own thing and then it works out no one's going to be the next mcveigh no one's going to be the next shanahan no one's going to be the next mahomes no one's going to do that you have to be your own thing and be a new thing you have to you have to change yeah absolutely i completely agree any final thoughts ray good luck green bay no that was it i think uh i think green bay's got a tough road ahead of them and i'm not sure if LaFleur is going to have a long tenor over there in Green Bay. I'm not even sure if Sean McVay is going to have a long tenor in L.A., and I think he's a better coach. I'm not entirely. I Considering how long they put up with, uh, what's his name? Oh, gosh, I can't believe I'm running a blank. What's his name? They, Mike McCarthy. No, no, no. The Rams did with uh, the previous. Jeff Fisher. Considering how long they put up with Jeff Fisher, that's his probably his saving grace. But if they if they end up back in fourth place, they end up in fourth place this season. I don't know, man. I I, I don't know. I, I I think Jared Goff probably goes before Sean McVay, but uh, I I I feel like that team is definitely on the hot seat. I think so. I mean, trading away all of your draft, trading away your future, in an attempt to win a Super Bowl now. I I've never been a fan of that philosophy. No, but to their credit, they had about as good of a draft as you can have with about as terrible preparation and amount of picks that you can have. So I give them credit. They found great value. I like a lot of their draft picks. You know, I still think that it's, we're going to find out that they're pulling an Al Davis, you know, Raiders maneuver where they're just so out of money that they're just trying to find a way. And McVay, I think is going to leave, not because he gets fired, but because he leaves. That's right. I remember you saying that you said that on the last episode and you know what? I, I would not argue that, uh, that hypothesis. I would not that, that, that actually sounds, uh, as much in play as anything else. I think there's a, there's a good chance that that happens too. Yeah. And then, you know, also prediction, uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be a bear in the next three years. So I'm excited for when that happens. Uh, it's going to be when no one trades for him because he will not play for the Packers. And I am so excited for that. So I, you know, I'm making predictions, making bold, bold <laughs> statements. <laughs> it's what you're here for, buddy. All right. Hey, Max, thank you so much for coming on, man. That was awesome. 
uh, we definitely have to get you back on again soon. And uh, good luck with the rest of the offseason. And hopefully all of our teams, hopefully we can get back to weird, weird, inexplicable 49ers-Bears games because they're some of my favorite uh, favorites that happen when they do. So hopefully we can get back to that very soon in any way, shape, or form. The country needs it. Oh, yeah. And uh, and if we don't, uh, I'll just, uh, I don't know, I'll just cry, I guess. I'll just, I don't know. I don't know what I'll do. I'll probably just have to, like, finally have a conversation with my girlfriend, which feels like that that doesn't happen with football. So, man, it's <laughs> a crazy time. All right, guys, we'll be back a little bit later on. We've got a couple gold dives with Candlestick. We'll be on the lookout for those. And so concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the Voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III. And with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time. Same Gold Cast channel. This is, is the Gold Cast.